Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 bum, 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 Goldfish nibbling at my toes. Fun, 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 bum, 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 Thanks very much for tuning once again to Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. You may have noticed my voice sounds a little bit weird and maybe a slice sexier. Slice? A slice sexier, yeah. Um, <laughs> because I was already at the limit of sexiness. And I'm just a slice <laughs> over that um, because I'm a bit sick and I'm spreading my germs uh, to Daniela. No, keep Daniel, away. Daniela, the eternal patient zero. Who I'm spreads, healthy! Who's, who spreads sickness wherever she goes. <laughs> for once, she is I'm healthy. I'm not gammy this week. She's the least gammy. Now I'm <laughs> gammy. The least, least gammy I've ever been. Yeah. At peak physical fitness. And I'm just, just gammy all over. Just, um, yeah, my nose, my eyes, my throat, my ears, my heart. I'm very cold, though. I have heard that from people. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean in temperature? Yeah, yeah. We've got the heater going in the... In the uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got my coat on. Yeah, it's a little bit cold. But we've just had a good breakfast. A we big, have. I couldn't taste a thing, but it's great. Oh, from, mine was delicious. Yeah, from the Bow Creek Cafe in uh, Trinity Boy Wharf, who you may know from uh, providing the sausage and beans from the Monkey Tennis uh, podcast. Um, so yeah, welcome. Uh, this is the fourth episode of Red Dwarf Series 11, uh, and this is called Officer Rimmer. Uh, before we get into it, Daniela, how have you been? I've been good, thanks. Yeah. What have you been doing? Um, covering? N- not, not some. I haven't really been doing anything. I've been going to work. You know, coming home. Okay. Yeah, it's been like like ordinary life, really. You're looking f- more fresh faced every week. I think it's before you. You seemed like really tired because you were training all the time, but yeah. now you seem very fresh faced. I had, I've had a haircut. A lick of makeup, haircut. <laughs> I was Your makeup. eyes seem to be a more a yes. more blue. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I've been having my pedigree chum. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you do it? Um, yeah, well, you know, um I'm I'm gonna be thirty four in just over a week. So You're the oldest person I know. Am I joking? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but you so, don't you know, trying to look after myself, yeah. good skincare routine, you know. That's that good. Sort of thing. And for those uh, Red Dwarf fans out there who really do care about their skincare routine, yeah. what would you recommend to keeping um, a youthful sheen? Always do a double cleanse. What's that? How do you do that? <laughs> so um, I always do two, two cleanses at, at night. Well, I do one cleanse in the morning, two cleanse at night. Well, what's a cleanse? So it's um, <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a liquid a cleanser yeah. you put over your face. Washing to ta- your face to, with soap to right? take away like the grime and the the yeah. makeup that uh-huh. you you've had on throughout the day. And I then do have trouble with that. Yeah. Then put, put a toner on and. Uh, to- what does the toner do? The toner it just. Um, it just sort of refreshes the skin and tightens it up. <laughs> That's what cold water's for. <laughs> and then I put a bit of serum in on, a bit of serum. Okay. And follow that up by some moisturiser and I'm 
good for bed. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, guys, if you don't have uh, the re- relevant funds to buy 150 quid's worth of nighttime products, just uh, wash your face with soap and water. Yeah, Boom. that works as well. Um, and what have I been doing? Thanks very much for asking, Daniela. Well, um, more film stuff, really. Uh, my film's been nominated. Actually, we won the award for Best European Short Film oh, darn. at the Sitges Film Festival, the Barcelona Film Festival. And yeah, a big surprise because uh, we didn't even know we were nominated, really. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. But yeah, so it's been crazy. So yeah, we are. An, I'm an award-winning writer now. Um, but then we've also been nominated for a bunch of other awards. Um, who knows if we'll win that from some other film festivals? But um, it's really cool. Things awesome. are looking up. Um, that's mostly what I've been doing this week, Daniela. So let's get on crack on. Yeah. Uh, with this episode and what an episode it's Officer Rimmer I was so excited when I saw the title I was like yeah, yes I knew you'd yes. be I knew you would be <laughs> and uh, yeah this is a very Rimmer centric episode which to be honest 75% of Red Dwarf episodes are <laughs> yeah because he's the best character well he's also the antagonist and you need someone to be the antagonist yeah, yeah. always a bit um, boring exactly he's the thing that keeps um, the tension up um, we start off uh, like most of the episodes in this series so far um, in the Starbucks cockpit um and the crew are just discussing all manner of stuff and they get into their dreams and it gets a little yeah, bit you know saucy um and um i think it was Crichton that that kind of compares uh, dreaming of flying to sex yeah do you think that's true um i hadn't really thought about it to be honest yeah what kind of dreams do you have um, I have a lot of dreams. You said you had nightmares last I night. I had a nightmare. I watched uh, Black Mirror Yeah, the new last series night. on Netflix. Yeah, so I watched a couple of episodes and the second one's quite dark and scary. Okay, but that's what we want and from gave, Black Mirror. And gave me, uh, it gave me a nightmare. Okay, well, no, no spoilers. Um, well, what do you think uh, flying means in dreams? Do you think it relates to sex or do you think... I don't know. I think it relates to just just a sense of escapism and fun and. I don't know. I mean, you can you can link back your dreams to things that you that've happened to you throughout the day or things that you've been thinking about throughout the day. I think they manifest themselves in your dreams. Yeah, but they say guys think about sex every like what was it like four seconds or I, something. I don't know. Doesn't make uh, that's not true. That isn't okay. true. Um, I haven't thought about sex once since I've been uh, with you today. <laughs> that's no surprise. <laughs> Um, but despite my glossy name (laughs) (laughs) but I do think um, uh, they kind of like it was was a little bit of a cringe moment when Rimmer said I don't believe in this I have had a dream I was flying oh he's talking about his tiny bag of nuts yeah (laughs) that was quite funny I don't know but it was a bit over the top it was too obvious and it went on for too long Um, and I thought okay Red Dwarf we're, we're better than this but not much. The start. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was quite a solid start. I like to see the guys getting together, just talking, shooting the S with each other uh, before we get into the action. So it was quite good to see all, all that happen. Um, but then Crichton sees something. He sees a, a ship, the Nautilus, and it's a deep space explorer ship. Um, and it looks kind of like a big floating gun in space, kind of bulbous and with a long bit and blue and... Um, it's kind of cool. Spacey. And spacey, yeah. And it's in deep trouble. It's in deep doo-doo. Um, and we kind of zoom in into the ship and we saw all these lights flash on. Something's been activated. Um, and what's activated is, uh, to, for my money, one of the best things I've seen in Red Dwarf for a long time. Red Dwarf likes to come up with all these gadgets and, and stuff in future tech. But like Black Mirror, I guess, 
it's kind of taken something that's uh, happening now, a piece of technology that's happening now, kind of projecting mm. the kind of limits of it in, yeah. in the future. So this is a bioprinter. Mm. And obviously now you get 3D printers, which can print things like guns and models of things. And uh, what else can bioprint, um, normal 3D printers do? I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like just little, little pieces yeah. for like uh, machinery. I've never seen anything that's been 3D printed. Have you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Have yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got sent something from uh, David Cronenberg, weirdly. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Someone on Twitter DM'd me. It was like, do you want uh, where from this institute? To, and it's something to do with David Cronenberg. I was yeah, send me whatever you want. And it was a 3D printed weird object from David Cronenberg. I've still got it somewhere. And, and I don't know what it relates to because I thought, okay, there's definitely a film coming out of this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, no. But no, it's just, I just got it. It's just really strange. Okay. Um, yeah, um, so this is a bioprinter. And what the bioprinter does, as you find out later on from the exposition mechanoid Crichton, is it prints out crew members, but only when needed. Yeah, I guess it selects the best possible person for that situation and then prints them out. Exactly. So this uh, particular situation needed someone of authority that can deal with uh, the ship about to be engulfed in the asteroid belt. Uh, you need someone quite experienced and senior who kind of knows their stuff. So it prints out uh, Captain Herring. Uh, and uh, Captain Herring is um i guess he was the captain of the nautilus yeah um oh he could have been a captain of any ship really they just yeah. had his bio yeah. signature on file and they print him out but his something G- goes is wrong it Gino? his genome sequence yeah. yeah and they print him out and something goes wrong it gets stuck with like <laughs> most printers yeah you always get a printer jam yeah and you just kind of uh sometimes you get um the lines all like skewered and Crin- um, crinkled crinkled yeah um and this happened with the 3d printer and what printed out was a perfectly human up to his about his chin and then the rest of it has been kind of stretched out and very horrific looking human yeah was printed out with his kind of nose like where his forehead should be and he's like most the rest of his face on top of his head a really grotesque kind of um picasso style person it's just it's absolutely creepy i thought for Red Dwarf, but brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really clever idea. Yeah, and I don't think I've seen... I mean, I've seen other TV programmes and other pieces of media tackle similar things, like where um, a glitch happens and uh, and someone's face is kind of eroded or something. Um, I've seen that in like, horror films. Uh, but... Yeah, this was just such like a new thing, and mm. I was, I was, because I like to think I can, I can predict Red Dwarf because I've consumed Red Dwarf all through my life. I always think I can predict <laughs> it, but no, I didn't predict this at, at all. And I thought it was a really, really, really nice, well written se- uh, scene, and also just well executed. I thought the practical effects was was great. Yeah, um, it was very clever. Yeah, do you, um, if you had the ability to buy a print anyone, uh, Daniela? Who would you buy a print? <laughs> if you were, if if you needed, say for example, you. Oh, I think I know who this is going to be, isn't it? <laughs> Do I have to say this on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to. So Daniela's got a thing. Wait, wait, wait! No. <laughs> <laughs> Daniela loves Rufus Sewell. What? What's wrong with that? He's not going to be listening to this. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, <laughs> I'd be surprised if Rufus still was listening to a Red Dwarf podcast. Um, he's a cool guy. He can he can help with, with all manner of things. 
Jen, who would you print out? I would print out um, another version of myself, which would, because... Obviously. obviously. In a a sticky situation... Um, I think I can mostly like work work my way out of it, but maybe I'd need another pair of hands, and it'd be better if I didn't have to explain everything to them. So I would print another version of myself, which may or may not go wrong. We'll see later on in this episode um, if Absolutely. that kind of thing happens. Um, so we have this kind of like weird, grotesque abomination that's been printed, but he is still a captain, and he uh, comes up on the video screen um, on Starbug. And uh, Lister's like, oh, I think there's something wrong with the screen. You look like a, a complete mess. And they just take the the uh, pee out of him. And um, I say it's a toupee made of face. A toupee made of face, yeah, <laughs> which is that. a great line. Um, <laughs> Cat obviously having the best lines, of course. Of course, he always yeah. does, yeah. Um, and uh, he, t- um, the crew tell him that he's about to go into an asteroid storm. Um, and he says he's carrying something called uh, Varanium, uh, which if it does go into the asteroid storm, it could blow up a large chunk of uh, the universe around him, uh, which isn't great. And his one it's mission... Not- is to protect that Varanium, which is why he was printed out. Um, do you think there's something in your life, Daniela, that you've been kind of designed to do? Like it's kind of fated? Ooh. I do kind of believe in fate. Okay. I believe how you get there is probably of your own choosing, but I do think there's certain big things okay. that are probably mapped out in your life. Mapped out by who or what? A higher being. Okay. <laughs> whatever you choose to believe that is okay i don't i don't necessarily think that my religion is the correct one I, I i i um i think other people are entitled to their religion and i don't think mine is better than anyone else's so i just say you know a higher being the best you know yeah cool. whatever god you believe in i, I think we, we we make our own fate i think i think it can be quite dangerous if you put all your faith in something mystical because it means like you don't have any responsibility yourself. Yeah, no, totally, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think nothing is fated. Um, what about Final Destination? Do you <laughs> I think that could happen, yeah. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's a documentary, right? <laughs> <laughs> see, you know, that's the kind of thing like you're going to die at a certain point, but you know, how you get there is probably like. Can, yeah. yeah, I think I believe in fate to that to that extent. Not like so you believe in fate as as per final, des- Basi- <laughs> final destination, final destination, yeah. and its uh, sequels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, final, you, so you'll open a door, it'll pull favorite. a chain, the chain will roll a ball down a thing, which will hit a spike, and a spike will come up, that's burst a balloon. That's only if I if I miss <laughs> if I cheat death and I miss my my actual death. Okay. Um, so back to the question: Were you? Fa- do you think you're fated to kind of do anything in life? Um, Is it like to have kids or like stuff like that, or I don't know, to like achieve like something? No, like- well, um, when I was sort of trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life and my career, besides being an orange thief, of course. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lot time. later. Okay, right. Um, I did want to work for the European Union because I specialised in politics at university. Okay. Still. still- and an I did option. it. I did it. Oh, okay. Right, so okay. I kind of, I did that by the time I was 30. I kind of achieved my goal. Okay. And I haven't really had another goal since then. I've kind of just thought, well, you know, I did what I wanted to do. Just enjoy myself now. Nice. Kind of thing. Um, really, just a minute ago when we were eating breakfast, I was talking about my, one of my goals is to uh, 
write a, an episode as Doctor Who. Yeah, That'd be really you cool. are. Um, but then we'd need Clara back, really, because the episode will mostly be me and Clara. Who's um, Clara? Um, they're his assistant. Do you okay. not watch Doctor Who? No. Okay. I watch the old Doctor Who's, the good ones. <laughs> Which is the good ones to you? <laughs> you know, Sylvester Stallone, Tom Baker. Okay, okay, let's stop here. John Sylvester Pertry. Stallone. Stallone, Sylvester McCoy. Okay. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> tired. Sylvester Stallone as Doctor Who would be amazing. It would be that amazing. would be amazing. Oh, I'm very tired today. I've been up since three thirty a.m. Wow, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. as like the the thirteenth Doctor would be amazing. <laughs> oh, to- time travel. Oh. My really bad impression of Sylvester Stallone there. I'm not sure we can recover from that, Daniela. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy is the best doctor, I agree Yeah, Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> he, is, he is great and ace, of course. Um, yeah. And Okay, so let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so um, Crichton tells the crew uh, that the Nautilus um, will destroy them if it gets any closer and crashes into the asteroids because of the Varanium. So uh, Rimmer decides to kind of be the most selfish person in the world and blows up. He uh, fires a missile which hits the Nautilus because he's totally selfish. Um, yeah. Then we see an explosion and we see the video screen momentarily kind of blip and it comes back and uh, Captain Heron is f- fine and he's like, oh my God, that's the most miraculous thing I've ever seen. Um, who did that? Who who knew that if you hit the wing, it'll bounce me out of the asteroid field? And Arnold J. Rimmer holds his hands up and says it's him. And he says, well, I'm going to going to make you uh, an officer officer um, Rimmer which obviously to everyone else's um, um, absolute horror means Rimmer is now their boss well technically he's always been their boss but now he's like a big time he's boss he's got authority some proper authority yeah so um, Lister is not happy at all what do you think of Rimmer have achieving his kind of like long term goal of being an officer that's all he's ever wanted. Lister's yeah. al- Lister wants to get back to Earth. Cat wanted to have sex with someone. Crichton wants to be more human. Rimmer wants to be an officer. Now he has achieved that. How do you think, or what did you think when you first watched this, this morning? Um, what did you think <laughs> that that would, do you think he would remain an officer? Or did you know at this point, this is Red Dwarf and nothing good can happen to Yeah, Rimmer? no, I kind of suspected that by the end of the episode, he would no longer be an officer. It's the only way Red Dwarf could work. That's, yeah. that's, that's the dynamic. He can't, Lister can't have the authority. So Rimmer can't have the authority of a captain. Otherwise, yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but taking that into account, it was fun watching the ride. So Absolutely. And I imagine that if I was given any sort of power, this is exactly how I would behave. Would totally. you? Totally. It would totally I go to my head. Imagine. You yes. would be a dictator. You'd I would. I would. I apologise in advance if I ever do get any power because I, okay. I will be a nightmare. If you had absolute power in yes, London, yes. what would you do? What would you change? What what kind of rules would you put in place? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd sack Parliament and make a stay in the European Union. Okay, would you? <laughs> yes. Interesting. So obviously there would be no democracy in your no, dictatorship. No. Um, what would I do if I had ultimate power? I would, I think I've mentioned this before somewhere else, I would make all transport free, um, like public transport free, so people, 
didn't use their cars as much, for, better for the environment. See, as someone who's a transport specialist, I would say yeah. that's a terrible idea. No, it's good. I mean, there will still be money going into it. Ha- where? I would, t- I would tax cigarettes and alcohol quite okay. a lot, even more okay. so. Okay. Um, that still wouldn't be enough to fund transport. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Rimmer does have this crazy power now over the others, and he starts to abuse it even before Captain Herring turns up on Red Dwarf. So uh, Captain Herring does say he's going to go meet them. He's looking forward to meeting Officer Rimmer. Rimmer gets started straight away. Him and Crichton start to plan uh, all the various di- yeah, different things they want. An office club. He wants an offi- officers club. Something he's always dreamed of, but. Uh, you can't really have an officer's club if it's just him, but we'll come on to that in a second. Um, Kat and Lister notice that the channels um, on the TV is now the officer's package, which isn't <laughs> as good as what they had before, which that's is kind of the loser's package. <laughs> that's, pr- that's pretty much uh, what Sky Movies does to you, isn't it? What? What do they do? They, they, hook, they hook you in. With the the higher packages. Oh right, yeah, yeah, and then you're just left with a bunch of like real random ones. Yes, yeah. So your your normal bog standard Sky package is like <laughs> channels you don't even want to watch. No, oh. no HG HD channels. But then when you get when you get Sky movies, you're like, oh, you know, you get all these other channels. Yeah, but I think Netflix has killed off Sky movies quite a lot. I got rid of Sky movies a year ago. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're burning uh, Sky Movies at the moment. That's uh, yeah, they're not my favourite people. No, they're really expensive. Instead of paying five pound a month for like Netflix, you're paying like thirty pound a month or something, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. The channels that are now uh, available to Cat and Lister, I thought they were kind of channels that you would like, Daniela. Yes, I did too. They have <laughs> a croquet channel, yeah. a knitting channel, yeah. and a hat channel. So you can't even get these on Sky Sky no, Movies. You can't package. even get those classic Daniela <laughs> channels. What you would need now is like an old school mist murder. No, murder I need channel. ITV2 for my Praro. Okay. <laughs> and my Medishiro. Yeah. Um, but I thought they're kind of, kind of um, being the kind of weird losers they are, they start to kind of. Appreciate the croquet channel, which is good. And I think if if you watch something long enough, you kind of get into it. It's a bit like like watching like Big Brother or something. Like you think, oh, why am I watching this absolute crap? And then you end up watching it till the end and really invested yeah. in people's lives. Do you play quite croquet? I played it a couple of months ago. Weirdly, like a like yeah. a big game of it. Um, just that it was like an outside party type thing. Yeah. With croquet, it was it was alright actually. Yeah. It was actually quite fun. Yeah. Do you do you play? Um, not regularly, but I've played a couple of times. Yeah. Last last time for me was a couple of months ago as well. I, I won. Oh, okay. That's why you wanted to bring up this story. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but it's basically just like posh snooker, isn't it? But with a mallet. Um, yeah, I guess so. You're just hitting balls into like pockets, really. Yeah. Um, it's not the funnest game ever. But uh, not only are the channels different, um, Officer Rimmer appears on the vid screen to say uh, that Officer Herring's about to arrive. And the other thing that's different is the lifts. It's another episode where they've gone lifts, on heavy yes. with lifts and the differences between lifts and the different kind of ranks of lifts. So so Rimmer has, has the officer's lift, which has Crichton waiting on him hand and foot with... Uh, Facial mists, hot towels, and champagne. Yeah, I love a facial mist. I don't know <laughs> what's the facial. I don't even know what it is. It's so just like sp- you use it in the morning primarily. What's to- your beauty routine is <laughs> yeah. getting out of control, spiraling out of control, Daniela. What do you do? I use it in the morning to sort of give give yourself a bit of glow, a bit of radiance. Okay. Freshen freshen you up a bit after the 
sleep. Again, what, why splashing <laughs> cold water on you? Why, why can't it be um, that? I, d- I do splash cold water, but it's the first thing I do in the morning. Then, okay. I, then I add stuff. I'm not sure mist can help you any more than oh. a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't like coffee. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, Rimmer is in the lap of luxury in this lift. The others, they're in the grunt lift uh, and a kind of shabbily drawn word grunt uh, hanging above the lift, just so you know. And uh, they go into the lift and it's really like shabby. It has like pipes everywhere. The doors can barely close. The lighting's off and, and kind of like blinking. It isn't good. It, it kind of reminded me um, of uh, of the ship from the, the high and low ship from series yes, five and it was a yes. bit of a low ship yeah yeah i guess the, the divide i loved the office corridor though that has the yeah, the way it glides that along great, that, yeah. that was probably my favorite bit of the episode that was great because Rimmer is really lording it up as i know an his face and they're just like oh he doesn't so even smug. have to walk and yeah and he's just the smuggest guy in the world just sliding <laughs> along but to be fair if you have the means you might as well do it um, but they're obviously getting more and more angry, angry with Rimmer. Um, they get to the kind of like hatch where the, the ships kind of open their doors. I don't know what was it the, the hatch that they meet the Officer Herring in? in? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. So they get to the hatch um, where Officer Herring arrives, and there he is in all this grotesque glory, his face on his head, and Rimmer's like, "Ah, oh, welcome, Captain uh, Herring." Captain Herring's like, you've got a great ceiling, Officer Rimmer. Um, it's, uh, yeah, which I thought was a great joke uh, from the off. And then he uh, goes over to Lister and he's, he, he believes Lister to be a fool because um, of a previous exchange where Rimmer did something wrong and blamed Lister. Um, and he also says he's, was, he had been a little bit rushed when giving uh, Rimmer his his role and promotes him even more, so he's an even higher officer. Yeah, so he's a first lieutenant now. And he was was he a second lieutenant before? No, he was an officer. Just an officer. What's the difference? I don't know. Because he still have, has the officers' club, right? Yes. Okay, so he's just a higher kind of version. And he does a sex face. Who does a sex Rimmer. face? Rimmer. <laughs> when he finds out he's first lieutenant, he does sex the sex face. <laughs> you and your hashtag sex faces, and um, so. He also says, uh, Captain Herring also says, that now, uh, even though the Nautilus is done for, the cargo is safe. And as he says that, he kind of melts. Yeah, his mission's over and he crumples. Yeah, he he achieves uh, what his uh, bioprinting kind of uh, mission statement was. Yeah. So the others are a little bit peeved because now... uh, Captain Herring can't demote Rimmer, so they're stuck with a Rimmer yeah. that has even more ultimate power now. I did wonder at this point, oh, how how's how's he gonna lose his rank then? Yeah, because yeah, I mean we still have that in our mind yeah. that he has yeah. lost it before the yeah. end of the episode. Um and again, seeing the the kind of grotesque makeup and the kind of prosthetics as it interacts with the other other mm. guys, I think it's great. I think it looked really, really good and just this whole series in general so far has has just looked looked great. Yeah. Um, and I'm really, really, really loving this series. Um, it's to me, and especially this episode, it's I think it's as good as some of the best elements. I, from I've three really and four. enjoyed all this episode. So all this um, series so far. Yeah, I mean, despite the kind of like weird endings, um, I, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's. I, I didn't. I didn't like Twentica. Um, I, th- I did. 
Well, I didn't like it as much as I, as I wanted to, should I say. So it was still had good elements in it. But Samsara, give and take, and Officer Rimmer has been great. Um, so Rimmer's Officer State uh, status has really gone to his head now um, because yeah. he's wearing his notice he's not wearing like a lieutenant's uniform he's wearing the admiral uniform that he wore in uh, Better Than Life oh okay do you remember oh it might be a slightly different one but yeah when he I um, imagine it probably wishes. might be the same jacket but different um, badges yeah maybe um, but he has really has really gone to his head and I think it is he does look to, to be fair he does look good in, in that yeah. kind of uniform um, and speaking from a totally heterosexual um, <laughs> uh, s- standpoint I think he looks like a, a good looking man in yeah. the uniform yeah uh, what do you think Daniela yeah very smart yeah because you, you've previously denied fancy and rimmer in previous episodes I don't fancy in him that, in that uniform Daniela no, I'm sorry. Nice pressed white uniform with those shiny buttons. I know. It's very, o- very o- an officer and a gentleman, yeah. but no, I'm afraid not. Sorry. <sighs> sorry. I mean, he is like 65 years old or something. <laughs> um, so, but that's almost like Rufus Sewell age, isn't it? <gasps> <Right>. Ooh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, Rimmer is discussing with uh, Crichton. Just, just the mechanics of, oh, and the kind of like um, blueprint of the officers' club, um, and also we see another scutter, and the scutter's got a little hard yeah. hat on, hasn't it? A little orange hard hat. And it's great that they're integrating scutters back into the Red Dwarf narrative. We always like to see the scutters. Yeah, because I am convinced that in those three million years uh, between uh, while Lister was in stasis, the scutters were have had their whole storyline going on. There's a spin-off there, isn't there? Called scutters, which I think mm. that we should write uh, and maybe <laughs> okay. Starwin as well. Okay. Get uh, Sylvester Stallone on board. Because they must have been doing all that Yabkeep on, on Red Dwarf. It must have been them um, for three million years. That's yeah. when Rimmer came, uh, sorry, Lister came out of stasis. It looked, besides the dust on the floor, which for some reason was left behind, left, but yeah. all of it, there's no cobwebs or anything. Everything else was fine. Yeah. Um, the guys must have been doing some hard work there. Um, and I like to think uh, at and some we had point the whole we'll cat thing. Yep, cat had his thing, and the guys yep. must have helped out yep. there, surely. Big fan of scutters. Big fan of scutters. We used to call um, ugly girls scutters back in the days. That's so It's so terrible. mean of other people to do that. And I really didn't like... When I say we, I mean other people, not me. Yeah, we used to call other girls. Because it, I think it came from butters. But then we used to all watch Red Dwarf. So we used to call them scutters. They used to call them scutters. I was totally against it. Good. Um, you definitely wouldn't have been a scutter if you were out. Oh, thanks, Jed. If you were in my childhood. Um, okay, so uh, the <laughs> <laughs> very weird. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in my childhood, Daniel, yes. things would have been a lot different. I'm uh, about to sing uh, the sound of music there. <laughs> oh God, um, a lot of Nazis in that film. Cat and Lister, and yeah, they they planned. They've got a plan. So uh, the only way they can get rid of. Uh, Officer Rimmer's status is if they find someone who's higher ranked than him, um, or at least equal ranked, to kind of knock him down a peg. So they go and they check out what genomes are on file um, from, I guess, the Nautilus's databanks, because they brought the um, they brought the bioprinter aboard, and they find all kinds of people, and obviously Cat straight yeah. away, even though he hasn't really seen too many. Uh, real woman uh he wants her uh, to get a nice pretty female on board yeah understandable fair enough yeah this fair is, play. yeah and i mean if there's a task to do 
she, a pretty woman would be the best thing because the task could be to keep Lister even more sane. Um, so um, having a pretty woman there is always a good distraction. Um, it's going to help. Yeah. So, but then they get a little bit sidetracked because what they see is Lister's genome on file, and this, and they're like, "Oh, but Lister, you went on board the Nautilus." And then Lister remembers he sold for one hundred dollar pounds. He sold his genome and half a packet of cigarettes. Yeah, and half a pack of cigarettes to his mate Dodgy. Life tip, guys. Life tip. If you've got a friend called Dodgy, yeah, <laughs> don't sell your genome sequence to him. Don't sell anything to him. Yeah, um, actually, don't be friends with him. I've got a lot of ma- mates with nicknames. I've noticed okay. all, my, all my friends from like up north, like Manchester, Liverpool way, they all have nicknames. Are they all lads? Not really. Just every single one. Like my friend Michael Coates, we call him Coatesy. Coatesy. You know, do you know Coatesy? Oh yeah, everyone knows Coatesy. Coatesy. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I've got a friend called Mark Muriel, who everyone calls Spaff. Obviously. Um, and then Adam Cooney will be called Cooney. Okay which you don't say that out too loud in crowds. Um, and then we have... Oh, we just have... I have a lot of friends. That's I've why got, I'm saying I've, I've got, got a friend called Rebecca Monk, and we call her Monk. I call her Monkey. Yeah, Monk or Monkey. That's cool. And also, we should do a Monk podcast at some point. Oh, I love Monk. Monk is my favourite. I've got I've got box sets right here in there. Yeah, so Lister has sold his, his genome sequence, and he must have been desperate when he was a kid, because and obviously, you don't think... Um, something like intangible like your genome sequence uh, will affect you later on in the future this is why I I was a rotten kid right in school this is what I used to do because I think I saw a film where this happened and then it later happened in The Simpsons but I promise you I did it beforehand I used to go around with a bit of paper saying I I own your soul for one pound okay and used to give people a pound if they signed it that I would get their immortal soul okay so I like had like everyone sells and like in in, in when I was young like, all my mates and stuff. And you paid them a pound. A pound for each. Um, and th- why did you want their souls? I have no idea. You, I watched you were a, a bit lot. disturbed. As a I, watched, child. I watched a lot of horror films and I thought this will be handy in the future. Yeah, okay. Like twenty five souls. <laughs> and, you know, I watched Disney. That's a bargaining chip. At some point, you never know. You might get to a crossroads and then someone's like, "I want your soul." And I was like, "Here's twenty five. What can I have for twenty five? Um, but I did win that award last you week. You did? On How many merit. souls did you cash on in? Merit. Cash in. On merit. <laughs> um, there was no souls um, involved whatsoever. So Lister's obviously worried. They're all worried. So they get uh, Crichton to elaborately delete it for them. He kind of shows them how to do yeah. it. He's like, I'm going to walk away. Whatever you do, don't press that button there. And they press the button to delete all of the genome sequence. I don't, can you remember why they deleted all of them? Why they just didn't delete Lister's? Could they not um, delete one They of wanted to delete all of them because Rimmer wanted anyone of a lower rank printed out so yeah. he could order them around. That's and they right, wanted yeah. to save these people from oh, okay. a horrible, horrible that life. That makes sense, yeah. I thought it was just because they couldn't just delete Lister's one. Um, but then it kind of uh, also on, on that topic, Lister says, all those uh, scouse kind of losers they used to speak to on the phone in like uh, call centres call and like customer services um, was him the whole time. Um yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah. But I wonder how long those bioprinted people last for. Because sure, if their task is to kind of deal with complaints or whatever, then surely one... As soon as... Yeah, but maybe just endless maybe complaints. Contracts. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get into logistics yeah. of future <laughs> bioprinting listers. Um, 
so yeah, so uh, Rimmer and Crichton then discuss, because Rimmer is obviously peeved that he can't have any slaves anymore. Um, he's, he's already got Crichton anyway, so it's fine. So uh, they discuss another way in order to create dupe, um, more people. And Rimmer obviously um, wants to re- reproduce himself. Yeah. Because he is that type of person, a little bit like me, yep. who wants to see more of himself yep. around. So they find a little bit of his DNA on his file somewhere, and they start printing out, bioprinting out Rimmers, obviously at a lower rank uh, than himself. But do, do are they officers too? Because are they should they be allowed in the officers' club? Is he he lets he them? lets them all in the officers' club. He does, but like, does he have the authority to make them officers? I guess so. Yeah, because he's not bioprinting him now. He's bioprinting no. him when he was a second technician. I guess he can make the rules. Yeah, and what about the rimmers that are the servants inside the officers' club? Mm. Like, I, d- I don't, I don't understand why some of them are, some of them aren't. What kind of differentiates them? But anyway, he he builds this officer club, this officers' club, full of of uh, himself, and Lester and Cat are obviously. Um, flabbergasted they would go to such lengths um, to, to make this but I guess it's Rimmer's ultimate dream to be surrounded by himself. people yeah himself and people who serve him yeah. um, and for all his faults Rimmer does respect authority oh yes uh, which is something I have real trouble with um, <laughs> so Cat uh, and Nista get there and he's like out you're not officers you're not allowed in this club and while he's talking to them we see a few Rimmers go past and, and are welcome, welcomed in including a barbershop quartet I know I know amazing <laughs> which is great but just before the barbershop quartet uh, turns up did you hear uh, in the background in the kind of a plinky plonky piano kind of sound in the background was was the Rimmer song. No, I didn't. Um, do you know, um, um, we haven't dealt with the later episodes of Red Dwarf yet, but um, there's a particular Rimmer song that happens. You, all got, you guys all know it. Um, and you can hear that in the background, which I thought was a nice callback. Um, because this episode is somewhat similar. Um, it's similar to a lot of episodes, uh, this. We first, uh, obviously, Rimmer World. Rimmer World, yeah. Yeah. Uh, little touches of meltdown a little bit, I, I thought. Um and coming up a little touch of polymorph as well. But here we get um the barbershop quartet. And to be fair, it's it's bit brilliant. I loved this. Yeah. I love Red Dwarf when they when they just put songs in it. So it was to the, to, the, to the tune of we're Mr. Sandman. We're very musical people, Jed. We are. Well, we're in a record label right now. Yeah. Are we going to do our Christmas song again this year? <laughs> we should. That went down a treat. It went down. <laughs> it went down, yeah. Uh, what song will we do? Are we going to do another one, a different one? Yeah. Should we, should we ask the, uh, our listeners what, should we do what, as a Christmas song, special? what song do you want us to sing this year on the Christmas special? Well, we need to think of something do to do. Do a poll. <laughs> we need to think of something to do for the Christmas special. Oh, maybe uh, Can't Smeg, Won't Smeg the, the, from the Red Dwarf Night. Okay. Yeah, so this barbershop quartet to the tune of uh, Mr. Sandman. Mr. Rimmer. Yeah. Rim, 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 rim. <laughs> we Excellent. are what we see. Yeah. Did you write down the lyrics? <laughs> no. No. But it is really, really good. And uh, I'm guessing Chris Barry must have done all, all, the, all the parts. Yeah. Brilliant. Or it could have been Howard Goodall putting on a bit of a Chris Barry voice. Uh, but yeah, this, this bit was great. Um, very unnecessary but it, it was great yeah welcome um it was already a good episode up until now yeah. so this made it even better this to, to be honest this episode is going to be when we at the end when we do our final red dwarf chart 
this for me is going to be way up there. Oh yeah, I, me I, too. I absolutely loved yeah, it. It's great. Um, all the best elements of Red Dwarf series one to six in this one episode. Uh, I think Doug Naylor did a great job with the writing and the direction. But we'll come on to the one bad thing a bit later. Yeah. Obviously, as well, there are there are as kind of a callback to to. Um, things that go wrong when Rimmer tries to duplicate himself um like me squared which I remember uh you loved I did um there was a little bit of that here where he's kind of talking to himself and the fighting with him with himself I thought it was fine you saw some of those elements uh of me squared in this and I love it when they do callbacks to like the early early seasons yeah so he's angry that uh, Lister and Kat are in yeah. his officers' club because they're not officers. Yeah. So uh, what they do, or what Rimmer tries to do, is create more Rimmers. Uh, but this time he tells Crichton beefy ones, make them beefy because he needs bouncers. Very elaborate way of getting to to kind of the end, but I, I like it. Um, and of course, Rimmer wants to push things a little bit too too far uh, because that's what, what Rimmer's like. Yeah, he's impatient. He, he is. Wait. So Crichton's like, yeah, I guess I can do that. So they, they input the thing into the machine. The machine's taking long to print and they kind of bang it. Uh, and Rimmer's like, what's taking so long? And he's Crichton's like, oh, the, the new genome sequence is just settling. And of course, something will go wrong. There's some sort of misfeed. Yeah, and multiple uh, bits of uh, Rimmer-shaped paper goes into the printer and it's all melded together. And what we get is a massive Rimmer monster. Which was probably my favourite monster of all time, it I think. great. <laughs> I loved it. It was so disturbing. It's so messed up. It's just... What you, what Stuff you expect. of nightmares. It's just a big blob, a little bit like uh, Camille, from the episode Camille, when she reveals herself to be a big blob alien, but with Rimmer faces poking out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little. This kind of happens in, I think it's Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, where Freddy Krueger has like human faces coming out of him. Uh, this is a bit like that. So you just see uh, a big blob monster chasing them down the corridors uh, with ri- with multiple Rimmer faces poking out, screaming and, and just kind of chasing them with mou- mouths kind of moving it's in terrifying. grotesque kind of ways. Very horrific. A little a little bit like um, uh, Lovecraftian as well. And uh, when, he, when they see another uh, Rimmer, it, it absorbs them. It reminded me a bit about the film Society. It does, yeah. The yeah, end of society. Yeah. Wow, you've seen society. I have. It's messed up, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Real messed up. That kind of like, ass face guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, they watch it on a, on a, on a screen. What's happening? Because it would cost a lot of money to actually see the rumors being absorbed. They watch this kind of Pac-Man style uh, video screen in the lovely looking drive stroke medical room. Um, and Crichton being exposition mechanoid, he he knows exactly what's going on all the time. He always knows what's going on. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, he's yeah, on it. This this monster that, that there's no precedent for is absorbing rimmers, um, and all the worst, all the bad points of all all the rimmers as well. So all of his all of his self doubt and all of his um, anxieties all together making this yeah. big creature of kind of hate and just horribleness. Um, so they need to obviously destroy it. So what they decide to do is use Arima as bait. And uh, they do that by um, 
Uh, actually, but before that, they um, Rimmer is about to be eaten by or absorbed by the monster, and he has to demote himself. Yeah, this he is... resigns before yeah. they would let him in from the officer's corridor. Which was great. It's great comeuppance. Yeah. Great writing that he had to leave his his ivory towers in in his beautiful white travelator's corridor uh, and go back to the kind of scummy grunt. It corridor. was a bit mean, though. I mean, I wouldn't make somebody resign just to get in. This to save their lives. But Rambo's been an absolute snakehead. I know, I know, but I thought it was a bit mean. He needs to be taught a lesson. He needs to have been <laughs> taught a lesson from day one. He he got that job title through misappropriation. True. And yeah, so he, he deserved all he got. He's an absolute snakehead. And I don't know why you love him so much and fancy him. So don't fancy him. he's demoted back to a second technician and they let him through. And the plan is to use him as bait, which works, of course, because all the other rumors have been absorbed. Nice way to get rid of all the other rumors, by the way. Um, and uh, trapped down the corridor, but then rumors trapped. And they use a, a nice little technique to uh, distract... Uh, the monster while while the real rumor escapes i love this scene so much because i always carry a pen (laughs) i also always carry a pen Um, (laughs) it was so sinister we always have a pen yeah and then he says and then they say um because he wants to make a to-do list he's like make sure you um you put something else on on the to-do list dying credits boom Boom. (laughs) that's it yeah, you you do see the kind of main, you just see a little bit of um, the. Um, they couldn't put another fifty p in the meter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, let's the at least see the monster blown up or something. Well, we see the bazookazoids kind of fire and then yeah, it cuts. that's it. This would be fine if this was part one of of a two part kind of episode. Or at least we see the monster die. And then they walk off. That would have that would have been something. Yeah. I mean, I know it's expensive to see a creature explode, especially a creature like that. But we all we need to see is just bits oh, flying at their faces. Exactly, that's a bit like about, the curry monster. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you don't need to see it actually. Just you know, throw throw a bit of goo on their faces. Yeah, and apparently the people who were in the audience, uh, I I wasn't at this episode. People who were in the audience were like, okay, that kind of ended abruptly, but I'm sure they'll fix it in post. Yeah, uh, nope. like we've all thought from the <laughs> nope. other episodes that we were at. Uh, but no, it just ends really, really abruptly, and it's a bit disappointing on such a good episode. Yeah, it's it's the real only downer on an absolutely brilliant episode. And then I went to look for um, if anyone else was kind of a little bit upset by these uh, abrupt endings. And yeah, yeah, everyone, <laughs> everyone has noticed the abrupt endings, and especially this one in this episode. People have gone mental about it. I've looked at about six different <laughs> websites, and people are like, "What the hell is going yeah. on?" Because there's no resol- there's no resolution. I know you're not meant to have a n- you don't have to have a nice resolution, but you want you need some kind of a one liner. Yeah, you know some just something. Just something, or yeah, just see a little bit of comeuppance for for the monster. Because at the moment, the monster could still be out there. Maybe if the monster comes back in another another episode, this scene will be justified. But for now, again, it's a little bit negligent. Yeah. Um, it's. It's not even bad editing because they didn't they didn't even film anything more. No. Um I mean they could even even put an explosion noise over over just a shot of Starbug yeah. flying away. Yeah. Um but, but I am excited that the next episode is the one that we went to see. Crisis, yeah. yeah it is the one we went to see. And I am I did really, really like that. So um but yeah. Overall Yeah. I absolutely adored this episode. I thought it was great. I think this is one of the best 
Red Dwarf episodes since the 90s. Okay. Um, I would put it in my, just right now, in my overall top 20 uh, Red Dwarf episodes of all time. Oh, wow. Maybe even higher. Oh, wow. Gosh. I, I, I liked it I don't lot. know if I'd go that far, but I thought it was great. And these are my, these are my reasons. Okay. Um, I love Rimmer-centric episodes. And yeah. there are a lot of yeah. them. Um, I love that Rimmer finally got what he wanted and it all is self-destructed like it always does yeah. for, for Rimmer yeah. and was used against him. I love the use of the best things in sci-fi when they use technology that's now and expand on it. Yeah. And I think they did this here and they've created a new piece of machinery that... It's going to be great for future sci-fi people to use. I bet you see this come up in future, in the new Star yeah, Trek possibly. series. You'll see it in other things. Um, it's just brilliant. I thought all of the interactions with the crew were brilliant. Cat had all the great lines again. I thought Lister was great being frustrated with, with Rimmer. Uh, I guess I am starting to get a little bit sick of Crichton just being there for exposition okay. and just explaining everything that's happened. Well, we won't see that in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. It's a, because it's a Crichton-centric episode. But I love, I think, everything about this. I think it looks beautiful. I, yeah. I'm sad that I wasn't at this episode to see it being filmed because I would love to have seen uh, Captain Herring in all his all his great glory. <laughs> but, um, yeah, overall, massive, massive thumbs up for this episode. Yeah, Even the one. ending didn't take any shine off for me. It took a bit of shine, but yeah, I maybe still a little thought it was bit great. Of shine. <laughs> it needs a little bit of that toner that yeah, you use. Yeah, yeah. Uh, spritz. A bit of a facial mist. Uh, but yeah, and it has scutters in it as well, which yeah. gets an extra point for me. So yeah. absolutely brilliant. And a song. And a song. This episode is it the episode that keeps on giving. It really is. <laughs> but besides an ending. But I can forgive that because everything before that yeah. was, was um, great. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so yeah, I am on a high from this episode. Right. So let's hope the rest of the episodes can live up to this one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so um, where would you put this, Daniela? If we're not doing the chart. Oh no, we do it at the end. Okay great um well thanks very much for listening yeah uh, thanks guys, guys. sorry i was so demented life. today yeah and if my voice, i need some sleep yeah and if my voice has kind of uh put you in um uh, a weird mood because it's so sexy <laughs> then <laughs> so I, I apologize for that yeah <laughs> Um, and yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J E D S H E P H E R D. And Daniela can be found at. At Daniela with one L Phillips. Yeah, find me on postpoprecords.com, postpoppodcast.com. Check out Monkey Tennis. And uh, we will see you next week, Smokeheads. Bye. Have a good week. You too. Bye. Oh, you weren't talking to me. <laughs> no, you I was were... talking to the listeners. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.